0: Welcome to the Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk, a network for early career researchers.
1: Hello, my name is Piers Cotting, and I am delighted and excited to be hosting my first podcast for the National Institute for Health Research Dementia Researcher website. Uh, As this is my first time on the podcast, I thought I should introduce myself. I've been working in the National Institute for Health Research for over 10 years first setting up the Dementia's and Neurodegenerative Diseases Research Network, known as Dendron, uh, and now supporting Professor Martin Rosser in his role as NIHR National Director for Dementia Research. I'm also an honorary associate professor at the University of Exeter and a trustee, bit of a plug I'm afraid, for a small award-winning charity, My Life Films, that makes biographical films for people with dementia. So my main interests in this field lie in developing capacity, capability and infrastructure to support the development and delivery of dementia research across the full spectrum of health and social care research. As part of this work, I've been one of the people behind the creation of the Dementia Researcher website and the podcast, along with Adam Smith, who takes all the fun stuff making the podcasts, and you'll have heard him uh, doing many before. As this is my first time on the podcast, I hope you'll be kind Uh, and continue to listen, as we've got a great topic to discuss. So I'm here in the studio in London today, and I'm joined by two fantastic supporters of the podcast and the website to talk about their latest exciting collaboration, the Alzheimer's Research UK Deep Dementia Phenotyping Network, otherwise known as DEMON. So I'd like to welcome Professor David Llewellyn from the University of Exeter and Dr Carol Routledge, Director of Research at Alzheimer's Research UK. Hello, David and Carol.
0: Hi Hi, there. Hi,
1: So Carol's also first time on the podcast. That's right, isn't it, Carol? That's
0: absolutely right. Yes, um, she's never done and, one before.
1: <laughs> and uh, and David is uh, second or third time, so he's our expert in the room. Mm-hmm. So perhaps I could ask you to start uh, by introducing yourselves and sharing just a little bit about your journey to uh, where you've come. Two in Alzheimer's Research UK Start okay,
0: so as you mentioned I'm the director of research at Alzheimer's Research UK I've been here only just about three years um, but by training I'm a neuroscientist and um, most of my career has been focused on uh, neuroscience research a lot of it is actually in pharma both in US and UK I've spent a period of time in biotech and actually my experience spans all the way from target identification through target validation drug discovery translational medicine which is absolutely my favourite part, which is all associated with taking the learnings from preclinical science and moving into humans for the first time, um, all the way to the end of phase three. Um, Neuroscience used to include psychiatry and neurology, but more recently, as in like 10 years ago it was split into psychiatry and neurology so I kind of flipped between the two Um, I've worked on small molecules and biopharms and my last role prior to leaving pharma was in biopharmaceutical division where I was developing therapeutic antibodies for various different treatments actually Um, and that was at GSK so I left GSK and joined the Dementia Discovery Fund when it was at its inception stayed there for a couple of years and then actually came to ARUK about three years ago
2: Fantastic, thanks Carol. David? Well, that seems fantastically clear. I don't think I know exactly how I've ended up here. Um, So I've always been interested in the brain, I think, and I think that's the only common thread really that's brought me here. Um, I don't really know why I decided to be a dementia researcher. That was about 13, 14 years ago. Before that, I was teaching in Leeds, but I Decided to make the jump and go to the University of Cambridge where I was at um, psychiatry and the Institute of Public Health. And I trained there in in data science and public health and epidemiology. And that really got me into using and playing uh, with data. And then 10 years ago, I moved to the University of Exeter, which again is a slightly odd choice because at the time there wasn't really any dementia research going on there but it seemed like there was a real opportunity to set up a new group and to and for me to start to lead things and I've been really very fortunate in being able to develop a group and um and next as an environment for dementia research has completely transformed now so we've got people like Clive Ballard as Dean, and there are many other senior dementia researchers who've come in, and now it's a real melting pot for for doing great things. So... um it doesn't really answer your question but it's but it's a few loose journey. observations <laughs> about <laughs> how <laughs> i've ended up here <laughs> a, a little less corporate me. than carol's <laughs> p- highly polished uh, corporate, uh, approach but <laughs> but
0: <me laughs> directed, well there no, you've got a nice corporate <laughs> plug-in following, in for following ex- my dreams well. carol
2: yeah. rather than ticking the boxes <laughs> thank you david um so a common thread
1: uh, a theme i think running through many of the podcasts that i'm sure you've listened to over the past year uh, has been the importance about the need to think differently and um Of innovatively about how to collaborate to drive dementia research forward. And from what I've read about the Demon Network, this sounds like it fits exactly with what you're doing. So, David, maybe we could start off with you just telling us a little bit about what the Demon Network is.
2: Well, the ambition for the Demon Network is is fairly simple, really. It's to provide a different sort of infrastructure to bring people together, all of whom have got some kind of interest in the application of data science and AI to dementia research. So there there was always there was already things about like the dementia's um platform UK for data and you know the portal that they provide and there seemed like there were loads of really useful resources but actually we became increasingly frustrated um with the lack of opportunity for people uh to train to to meet each other to collaborate just and and to just think differently so going back to your point about innovation i mean the whole point of the network is to get different creative people together and um and it it doesn't just involve data scientists and say machine learning specialists it's not about that it's about bringing people like that together with, say, clinicians and members of the public and researchers who know a lot about dementia but they perhaps don't know how to manipulate data in sophisticated ways. So the ambition is just to to effect a kind of step change in the way in which we do dementia research. We've got more and more and more data, but I think a lot of us don't really know what to do with it. And there are people out there who know a lot about data but they don't know a lot about dementia, or you're a clinician and you want to get involved in research or you're a member of the public who wants to have their voice heard so it, it's attempting to be that a kind of melting point for innovation. That's very really interesting so how closely does it does it fit and work with some of those sort of
1: big data infrastructures I don't mean big data but mm. large infrastructures for data that
2: you've mentioned is it sort of sit well, alongside? Or? It, it, well it's designed to plug a gap I mean um, so Carol is on the steering committee, but so is Sarah Baumeister from the University of Oxford, who's um, one of the senior people in dementia's platform UK. Yeah. Um, there's no point at all in <clears throat> replicating what others are doing. We're, yeah. we're very clearly looking to plug what we perceive to be a very important gap. Um, and I think it really started with a very early conversation between Carol and I, you know, thinking about how we might be able to do something, um, which would really mix things up. Yeah, do you think, think that's fair? I think there
0: are a few key words that are important here, and you've mentioned some. So one's collaborative, I think the other is absolutely interdisciplinary so you know and particularly I and maybe in the life sciences but in dementia they tend to and not silos but people work in their own individual area and one of the things this does is to bring all the different disciplines together so I think that's key and then a, a, another aspect is the innovation so I don't think it matters how brilliant you are you do not know everything and so this is an approach where it brings a lot of those really intellectual brains together and then by working together that that's where you come up with the innovation and I think those things are hugely important for dementia research. Yeah
1: so it's really interesting and I think mindful of you know our audience uh, which is largely a sort of mix 50-50 of sort of UK based and international based early um, career researchers in dementia and then people sort of more broadly interested. Where have you you got to and what's your sort of um, call to that early career community in terms of getting
2: involved? Well I mean we that we aim to become that the national network and it, it, there's certainly a uk focus to it but it is open to everyone and it's free to join um and we have had interest in, in, in events from people from north america and mainland europe and and from further afield so in that sense it, it's open even though the focus is on the uk and developing local capacity um in terms of bringing everyone together, even though it's early days, we've already got over 150 members in wow. the network, and and again, going back to Carol's point, these are people from all sorts of different yeah. disciplines, and we've had we've had lots of clinicians, for example, signing up to be part of a clinical advisory group. So they're normal members, but they're also um, sitting aside uh, as a as a. As a resource, really, that people can call on, so imagine you 're trying to do something clinically relevant, but you you 've maybe never met a patient with dementia before in a memory clinic, and you want to know more about that um, so we're we're developing that kind of infrastructure similarly we 've got a patient public involvement group um, and as these things evolve it I think it will become a lot less about. Our preconceived ideas about the direction that we should be going in, and what we think should happen, and it yeah, should well, be about right, yeah, so. it yeah. should evolve and be be um, really directed by the membership.
0: Yeah. But, but coming back to your point, it also includes in in kind of the. Career stage, so everybody from early careers researchers to actually very experienced and influential influential people, yeah. and that's also really important because it can help help to shape, you know, early career researchers' careers. Actually, so they they learn ever such a lot, but also they bring the innovation into the space as well. So yeah, I think it's great really, to have that mix. Really
2: chuffed by yeah. the senior people that have signed up, and then um, we have um, we have really junior people signing up as well and that's exactly how we want it everyone's welcome and that also opens up different types of opportunity, doesn't it like if people are interested in mentoring for example we might be able to help to to line people up and so I think um, we all know how challenging it is for early career researchers to progress their careers to get the right advice I think you're very vulnerable to who happens to be your line manager? Often the principal investigator on a on a grant, um, they're not necessarily the best people to give you careers advice. Or, or if you're looking to change discipline, I mean, you know, how do you do that? Maybe you don't need to talk to, if you're a computer scientist, but you want to work in. Medicine or a medical school, maybe you want exposure to different types of people. I do
0: think from one, talking about um, disciplinary and people changing careers, and maybe they don't need to change careers, but it's, you know, it is one of the first times I've seen physicists and engineers and informaticians and mathematicians all come together, like you said, mm. with clinicians and preclinical researchers, and and that I think is really great to see. So it'll be really interesting. Mm. Can
1: you describe a little bit about, you know, sort of one of the events you've had already? You know, give our listeners a sense of. Of what happens, at, there was a datathon, wasn't there? For example, yeah. in Exeter. Or w- w- well, the very
2: first one was actually um, was actually run at the Turing Institute, um, and that was before the the network had actually become a, a, a really concrete idea, um, and we weren't involved in the organisation of that, but they used um, data, for, some pilot data from the Deep uh, Dementia Phenotyping Study, and. And people like Simon Lovestone were talking and and there was a lot of enthusiasm about, well, we've got all this data coming and oh it's all multimodal data. It's like, oh right, okay. How do we Yeah, what we're we gonna do with that then? You know? And people have got different ideas. Um but most people are not very sure what will actually work. So it we, and we're just mulling that over, weren't we? And and that that evolved and then we okay, we we um we secured a, a little bit of money from the Turing Institute itself to help, and then Alzheimer's Research UK and Carol were very supportive and have contributed the vast majority of the funding. Um, and then we worked, again, hand-in-hand hand with Dementia's Platform UK and um, Sarah Baumeister and John Gallagher, and um, we ran um, the, the first datathon in, in Exeter um and that i mean we were asked to organize that at relatively short notice to be honest but we were surprised how well it went because we got really interesting people the turnout was great um there were there was a podcast. Yeah. coming yeah. from here. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Um, it was all, all the really best events yeah. Other yeah well, a, exactly. A podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're very prolific. But um,
0: the other thing I liked about it, I must say, because it is a bit of a soapbox yeah. thing about it, it? Yeah. Uh, and it probably isn't the first example in dementia research, but actually, it was a really good example of data sharing. I think, mm-hmm. and again, from the point of view. You you can't do everything yourself. So actually, if you are willing to share your data with lots of other researchers and lots of other scientists, you get so much more out of it. So yeah. I think that aspect so is clearly awesome seen.
1: Because I can see the the sharing of or the creating of networks and connections, and I can see the sharing of expertise and ideas. But so the, there has been some real increase in actually sharing of data. And what what are the, what sorts of data are we talking about, and what sorts of sort of complexities are there around actually? sort of curate, curating and sharing existent data sets?
2: Well, I mean, that some of that takes us into the Dimensions Platform UK realm, for sure. But, yeah. I mean, there's a huge amount of, of data out there. I mean, one there's of our... This
0: particular this of data with research-based data, and there is a difference, yeah. isn't there, research-based data, rather than, for example, electronic medical health records. and mm-hmm. so, there so these are data different... were,
1: were, were sort of anonymised, post- Research That's right. Data, is Made available yeah, yeah. through the
2: Dementia's Platform yeah. UK remote portal, which so actually the data sits in Swansea, doesn't it? And you never actually download it. Um, so again, the, there's the data infrastructure, but yeah. but without the without the people there, the it, brains it, to it, yeah. yeah. So so it's like it seems like those kind of the the that bit of infrastructure is, if anything, a little bit underused because we haven't really mobilised ourselves as a group. And, I mean, although I said we've got, you know, we've got 150 or a bit more people already, but I think we need a lot more people than that. Do yeah, you know what that's I mean?
1: 150 people busy, you know, yeah. touching the network at certain points, as it were. Yeah. And so, yeah. But,
2: yeah, but we need... I mean, we've been looking into lots of different ways to to grow that and for it to not just be um like a london-centric thing i mean alzheimer's research uk's uh, network centers are across the whole of the uk aren't they so they are across the whole so of the UK. one of the key things that we're doing is we're inviting people f- for from each network center to act as a kind of lead for data science and ai and and of course it's in in the context of dementia research yeah. so We want to run events um, like the datathons, but other things as well. And and as people are signing up, they're expressing their interest in different kinds of events. And it's giving us almost a form of market research about what we should be focusing our efforts in and, and applying for more funding to ramp up the scale of what we're able to do. Um, but already we can tell that certain things, um, you know, like the datathons have been really popular. After Exeter, they were run at Swansea and UEA, and and the Demon Network contributed some of the funding to make those hap- happen. Yeah. So um, so where it makes sense to to collaborate in that kind of way, we certainly are. Um, and similarly, we, we would look to do things with the Turing Institute. So that's the National mm-hmm. Institute for data science and AI um, and I've got a fellowship there and and I play a role within the health programme and people like Chris Holmes who um, works very closely now with AIUK and has now come to regard AIUK as one of the key partners to the health program of Turing. So I think we're all pushing in the same direction, but we're There's
1: a network of networks. Yeah, the most... exactly. Yeah. But
2: it but it's all it, it's across. I mean, the the more linked up we can be in terms of the different universities, AIUK, the Turing Institute. I think bringing all these things together is is really powerful because otherwise we just. I think we do do things in silos. But, I don't and
0: We do things the same way. I think increasing the diversity brings in the innovation as well and you might get a random person or a random group sitting in, I don't know, the West Coast of America, who will come to the same datathon and and look at the data in a completely different way?
1: Well, but, I do want to get to asking you about outside research UK's sort of role in the network, but we keep well, no, no, no. But we keep we keep oh, getting into another another interesting <laughs> another interesting point. But so before we get to that, um, thinking about exactly that, so growing your network, and as you said, Carol, that that there's almost nobody who might not have something to contribute or might not you know, increase their own capabilities and capacity by linking into the network. So I'm thinking of our of our listeners and people listening to the podcast and people who come to Dementia Researcher website. Would it be, be reasonable to assume that, you know, m- nearly everybody may
2: have an interest and may have something to contribute to the network? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone can play a role in the network, even people who are just... Uh, uh, um, they're not specialists or they're members of the public or whatever. They're, there's a role everyone can play in this. So-, so I think on the podcast, on the
1: website linked to the podcast, there'll be information about how to, to find out about the Absolutely. demon network and you can Absolutely. join online, can't you? Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's easy and free to join. Yeah. That's really important to appreciate. That We're not, we're not putting a burden on people yeah. to find resource. We're not asking normal members to fund this. And because people can put as much into it as they need yeah. and want and have time Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. So, Carol, let's, let's yeah. just, just... I was just I going
0: one question as well, yeah. because I'm not sure if we do this, but we ought. So do we also advertise at conferences, and particularly international conferences? I don't know whether we do, but we could... Not,
2: not yet, but we're getting to the point now where we we press release the launch of the network recently. Yeah. We're setting up our, our website for the Demon Network. will go live very shortly. Um, you can all uh, there'll be I and mean, there's online sign up already, and we'll signpost people um, to that. Um, we've now got the Twitter account up and running. So it's that combination, it's that whole little micro universe that allows pe- people to access it in different ways. And we'll give people opportunities. Like if people want to feature themselves on the Demon Network website, they can put a little bio and a picture and contact details and things like that. Um, so. Again, I, I think we should be we should be raising the profile of of what we're doing and, and national and international conferences are a, a key opportunity yeah, yeah. to do that. But yeah. but perhaps not just academic conferences. We need to think about that some more. So it and could not be just things the major like academic conferences. That's and, right. And, yeah. So there are things in, you know, technology conferences, there are all sorts of different things that we could yeah, think I about. Think. Yeah. yeah. But again, like, what we need to do is bring bring key people in who can facilitate that and drive down the costs and make it all a bit slicker and, and, and yeah, well, grease yeah, the yeah. wheels, really. So, Carol,
1: Alzheimer's Research UK. So what's, what's the charity's role in the network and why does it see it as important?
0: Um, so um we fund it <laughs> that's that's one aspect we're funded. so we do fund the network but but actually we also provide um a national network as david said so we have network centers all around the uk um we also fund and partner initiatives globally too so essentially that expands our network as well um we we i we are interested in it for a number of different reasons one is and we've talked about this um, partly already, is to really bring lots of people together to share data, to bring innovation to the table and to have everybody tackle the same problem to come out hopefully with solutions. The other reason that we're interested is part of the DEMOM network is around um, the early detection of diseases and and the data that um, David mentioned from a study called the Deep and Frequent Phenotyping Study so that that data was collected from that study it's around um, trying to um, understand the utility of some digital measures and digital tools for measuring clinical data. Alzheimer's Research UK are leading uh, an early detection project with a similar but much larger um, remit to try and really understand if we can develop a digital tool which will detect disease early and I think being part of this network significantly helps that and as we start to obtain data from similar but different cohorts then we can utilise the same people and those networks to really analyse that data yeah. and look okay. at that data so it kind of fits together in, yeah. in terms of our um, wider remit
1: So it also really it sort of segues nicely into something I think people would be really interested in which is getting into a little bit of the detail as to what types of data and what types of things are you training machines to look at where, where where where's the sort of state of the art at the moment
2: um, well i mean we're we're a little bit hamstrung by data availability but we're all as individual groups or individual researchers we're all hoovering up data like there's no tomorrow i mean. We, it can be genetic. Of of course, (laughs) of course. (laughs) But I think we need to be data greedy. We need to think about ways of combining different types of data. Um, So, I mean, one of our publications recently was relatively simple compared to what could be achieved. But we're combining things like genome-wide data with um, lifestyle factors to look at gene environment interactions and produce uh, and predict future dementia risk um, but the you know and the dementia outcome in that can be improved by adding in more primary care data or and um, we could in- improve it further by adding in some digital phenotyping data or you know there, there are there's mri data there's so whether it's neuroimaging i mean it's just so much data i I think this is one of the biggest challenges that we face working out what to do with it all and how to combine it because there are geneticists doing fantastic work on on genetics but again how can we do things a little bit differently to combine the different data types and and sometimes it relies an awful lot on things like clinical judgment to actually combine features or variables in sensible ways. It's not always just a purely data-driven exercise. So, again, I think being a bit sensitive to the context and thinking about how things can be combined sensibly is also quite useful.
1: And so that that sort of environment, the picture you paint of, of so much data and almost too much opportunity, sort of wood-for-trees type environment... Is the network well-placed, I would think, to to stop individual groups having to fight through that jungle on their own and having to worry about those things? And so maybe the network can become networks of small groups that are taking chunks of it that, are, that are, you don't have to worry about some other parts of the universe because someone else will be looking at those data and then slowly bringing things together.
2: would be fantastic, together. wouldn't it? If, yeah. you, if you wanted to use a... A cohort study, or or a particular type of data, and you've got no experience of it, but you're in a network where someone's used that study ten times before, and they've published on it, and they can tell you about all the problems and you know the challenges, and they can really open that up to you. Maybe they're generous enough to share code. Um, or even variables and maybe you actually invite them to be a co-author on a paper maybe that leads to something else then you use that as pilot data then you go to AI UK or another funder to secure a grant I mean you can see how things could snowball but it really is heavily dependent on um, not not starting from scratch i mean otherwise it's just a there's just a massive massive efficiency here isn't it it just doesn't make any sense yeah it's,
1: and on trust i guess which is very much something you're doing isn't it building you know trust yeah. is built on personal relationships and on experience with each other and the network is is looking to do that i'm thinking of other fields where i wonder if we're moving in a direction with data science in, in dementia which is looking more like the field of physics, for example, in how, how researchers work together and understand the need yeah. to pool mm-hmm. I- intelligence in their brains rather than the the, the paradigm we've had forever, which is very individual researcher and research group-based. As you say, if people are good enough to share their their yeah. stuff rather than understanding they have to, do you think the no, network will start? Con-
2: to... uh, if we're allowed to be controversial you for are. a moment, some people have made their careers out of like having privileged access to data and and exploiting that and and we don't want to perpetuate that model we yeah. want to open it up we talk about open data open science um we want to encourage people to to be more collaborative i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty simple um aim in that sense but of course it's the early career researchers who benefit the most from having those opportunities because they're the ones who need to Show what they can do, um at least constrained by yeah. previous behaviors, yeah, um, but
0: it's a slightly odd environment still, I do think we are a little bit behind, so if we come back to physicists and and mathematicians or infamous i mean they've shared data Mm -hmm. they you know there's 20 names on a paper they're all alphabetical or they're just open and and they share data and they work on data together so life sciences and it's not just dementia i think it's probably life sciences you know i do sometimes wonder if research is incentivized in perhaps the wrong way because you're almost incentivized not to share data and lots of people do by the way but not to Mm -hmm. share data so that you can you know, you have the key publication you are the one that's published and then maybe once you've published everything you want to publish then you might share a little bit of data and it, so so i do think the demon network encourage doesn't encourage that behaviour enormous
1: almost... well david's allowed allowed to be uh, controversial maybe carol this is putting you on the spot you may not be wearing a corporate hat, but of course let's let, let's just realize we've we've had in here in the UK an election recently we have a government with a, a manifesto pledge to uh, double dementia research funding every year for the next Five years, I think it is. Um, what might we see, Carol, some of that funding coming into this type of initiative, some of some more funding from the government to support these types of new ways of, uh, of researching?
0: I would love to see funding coming. I mean, there's lots coming into that. There's lots of areas of dementia research that need funding, um, including the translational medicine space, including early target validation. So lots of it. But I would like to see um, it. Encouraging people to come together and to utilise information data that exists, and then trying to move forward dementia research, utilising information that's already there. I think, I think that's great. But I could list another twenty places that uh, the additional funding into dementia research could be used in a very, very good way. Oh, how rude! <laughs> no, 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 including, including this, including this. No, absolutely. Well, I mean. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I, I mean I, I, dementia research funding is we talk about doubling but we need to bear in mind the absolute amounts of money available and how it compares to better areas uh, better funded areas of medicine so we're still a poor relation compared to things like cancer research and cardiovascular disease research and i think we have a long way to go We'll all be agreed, and hopefully, uh,
1: people listening will too. That the the network is in an area which needs to sort of grow and seed new ways of working, and if there is new funding opportunities, it should be there w- with all those other areas with its uh, with its fair share right. of that funding. And then yeah, you
0: leverage on funding as well if you do if you do it together as a, an interdisciplinary. Um, yeah, I mean, it
2: doesn't group. replace any other area of dementia research. I mean, we still need to generate ideas and come up with the data okay, okay. and. Yeah yeah i mean it's it's just yeah. it just complements yeah. all of all of the existing areas of dementia yeah. research it's not in any way designed to compete with what the you know the molecular biologists are doing or the um yeah, so you, well, you know. heard you it should hear first. Carol, you heard it here so first. Wrong. All,
1: all, uh, <laughs> any, anyone listening, whatever your field of research, uh, there is something for you uh, in the network. Um, I'm aware that uh, we're getting towards uh, the end of the time we've got for today. So, um, uh, Carol, David, uh, do you have any final points of, for that you'd like to to make about the network or?
0: So, first of all, join the Demon Network. Also, please visit the Alzheimer's Research UK website. You can um, read lots about the various different um, research areas that we fund and a lot of different grant schemes that we fund. You can read all about our conference in March. Please attend the conference. Um, And, yeah, um, come talk to us.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Alzheimer's Research UK is a, a great charity and... Um, I feel really privileged to be involved in this and we're genuinely passionate about what we do and yeah. this is a free network and I think people should get involved, I really do. I think it will be uh, amazing to do things differently and to innovate and um, and as we grow things like the website and so on, have, have a look at the kind of people who are getting involved. They're, they're impressive people but at every level. Yeah. And we really want early career researchers to play a really leading role in this. We
0: do. We do. That'll Fantastic.
2: Well, thank you both very much indeed for joining us today. I think it's been fascinating. I,
1: mean, I think it's a really interesting and important network. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about it as it progresses. So please do come back and talk to us again, Carol, for a second. Uh, and then, uh, David, you'll become a regular. Um, so if any of our listeners have anything to add on this topic, please do post your comments in the forum on the website, or drop us a line on Twitter using the hashtag ECRDementia. We have profiles of both today's panellists on our website, and there you'll also find a transcript of this podcast, so please do tell any colleagues who may not be able to listen. Finally, please remember to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast through the website. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam and SoundCloud, and please tell your friends and colleagues. Thank you
0: a podcast brought to you by Dementia Researcher. Everything you need in one place. Register today at dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk.